0: Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank.
1: We've seen some pretty exciting and encouraging changes over the past several weeks. The most important, in my mind, is the Dobbs v. Jackson's Women's Health Center organization, which overturned Roe v. Wade. After 49 years of legalized abortion, countrywide, where 63 million of our children were aborted... The Supreme Court determined that, quote, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion, Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. Well, obviously, this means that abortion isn't going to end. The sacrificing of our children is going to continue. But there's now a new legal precedent, and that is that the states can decide what will happen in their particular state. And right now, there's about 27 of them who either have or expected to outlaw abortion. And, of course, they're the red states in the middle of the country, but at least half of our nation or more are willing to stand up and say that we believe abortion is wrong. It's the killing of unborn children, and therefore abortions will not be available in those states. To me, as I thought about it, I thought that abortion has really been kind of like our country's high places of worship and worshiping the God of sex and the God of self. When I think of scripture, I remember good King Josiah, who was one of the kings who tore down the high places. What scripture says about him in Second Kings twenty-three nineteen, is that he removed all the houses of the high places, which were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made provoking the Lord. And he did to them just as he had done in Bethel. So the high places provoked the Lord because they were worshiping other gods. We've been provoking God by doing the same thing, the God of self and the God of sex, but also the destruction of the human life that he created. Well, what does this all mean for our country now that we have a turnaround? And what can we learn from it? I'm Debbie Blank, looking forward to discussing this long-awaited decision. And I'm
0: co-host Jackie Sailors. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg lamented that Roe v. Wade was based on a very weak case. It wasn't found anywhere in the Constitution, but that didn't stop the Supreme Court from creating the so-called right of abortion in 1973. And tens of millions of the most innocent lives became its victims. Meanwhile, Christians prayed. They spoke out, organized, voted, educated, gave ultrasounds, supported moms, and they faithfully continued to pray and trust God to work behind the scenes. There's an encouraging faith-filled song called God is Working. It's by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, and it reminds us that whether we see it or not, we can trust that God is always working behind the scenes to bring the victory. And we saw that He did just that on Friday, June 24, 2022.
1: Yes, he did. And it wasn't just the Dobbs case that has come down in the last month. The Supreme Court came up with other rulings that have been beneficial to those of us who are biblically based conservative people in the country. One of those cases was a freedom of speech and religious liberty one regarding a high school football coach named Joe Kennedy, who prayed at midfield following the conclusions of his games. It was just him. He went out there. He didn't force anyone to go with him or even ask them. He just went there, knelt down and prayed. The school district told Kennedy that this violated the school board's policy and they required him to stop so as not to violate the Constitution's Establishment Clause. There's a lot of controversy about the Establishment Clause. But the court ruled that a high school football coach praying on the field after a football game was protected speech under the First Amendment. What a blessing, because we not only see the First Amendment upheld there, but we also see prayer, the opportunity for somebody to pray in public on government property, on school property. That idea was upheld also. We saw a decision by the court in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. The court ruled that states with strict limits on carrying guns in public violated the Second Amendment. Perhaps many of you are concerned about guns and what's been happening with guns in our country. But the fact of this case is that they upheld the Second Amendment. What they've said is that the Second Amendment is important and we need to continue to support it. Because as we know, if someone wants to take over our country, they will do it by taking out our First Amendment rights to free speech and religion and our Second Amendment rights to guns. So, those were very important decisions. There were other ones that the court has ruled on also. But all of those give us hope that not only are people praying for our country and the peaceful establishment of godly principles in our country. But we're seeing God move. We're seeing God act. And it's been a mighty opportunity and an encouragement for those of us who get frustrated. 49 years is a long time for Roe v. Wade to be in existence. 49 years is a long time to pray and ask God to move and to act and do the things that you mentioned that pro-life people have been doing. And yet God answered in God's timing, because God's timing is always perfect.
0: I'm thinking about Psalm 40, the first verse in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. There's been a lot of patience, a lot of faithfulness, a lot of faithful obedience in the Christian community so that they can stand back and know that they did what they were supposed to do. They faithfully stayed in touch with God and waited for Him to work. And so it's been such a celebration, not just of these victories, but of seeing God and His outworking when you're talking about the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, they are First and Second Amendments because they are first and second in importance as far as maintaining the country that our godly forefathers established. It's
1: just important on so many levels. It is. So what can we learn about this, this change in the Supreme Court? Obviously, President Trump appointed three of the justices who have brought the court to a different mentality of right-wing movement rather than a left-wing socialistic agenda. It's sad that our justices are now seen politically, whereas they used to be seen as constitutionalists or honorable people making the right decisions. But now they tend to be appointed politically. Right now, the Wind is swinging towards the right side of the movement. But let's talk about some things that we can learn. First of all, politically, what we learn is the importance of voting pro-life candidates in. Because pro-life candidates make pro-life decisions, and they select pro-life judges. Even President Biden acknowledged, quote, this fall, Roe is on the ballot, end quote. Well, Roe v. Wade isn't on the ballot this fall, but it will be for who we elect as our elected officials so that they can then make the decisions that stand for what we believe in. So what do we learn constitutionally? Well, what we learn is that our country is again now following our constitution. What you said with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that she agreed that really Roe v. Wade wasn't constitutional. So people made a decision that changed our whole country. Nine unelected officials, I will say, too, made that decision that changed our country. But now we're moving back to the Constitution. Some people will say, well, the Constitution's almost 250 years old, it's antiquated. Well, the Bible is thousands of years old, and people will say it's antiquated too. But we have to have a plumb line by which we follow. We as Christians follow the plumb line of the Bible. Everything that's God breathed in this Bible is God's Word. We believe it. We trust it. We live it. It's the same thing with the Constitution. The Constitution was developed amazingly by these forefathers of ours and it's worked It's worked for all these years, and it will continue to work as long as we don't take away these rights that God has given us in this country through this Constitution. Keep in mind that the Declaration of Independence says that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's another foundational document that cannot, should not be changed When you just talked about choosing life, I'm thinking
0: of Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants might live. I have a Christian friend that one time I said, you know, I believe God is pro-choice. And she said, what? And I said, well, and then I quoted that verse. He's pro-choice. He tells you what the choice is going to be.
1: He's telling you what the right choice is. And so he wants us to choose life. As I think about that verse, I'm reminded that when we go to Megiddo in the northwestern part of Israel, they have an altar there to the god Moloch. They used to sacrifice their children to this Canaanite god right there on that altar, just very much like we are now sacrificing our children on an altar. It's not that same stone altar, but it's the same idea. We're worshiping idols. Instead, we should be choosing God and choosing life throughout Scripture. And I've got dozens and dozens of verses in my Bible that talk about the importance of life and that God created us in our mother's womb that God created us in his image and that he's the giver of life and the taker of life. We have no right to take away God's responsibility in our lives. So I think about that when I think of choosing, do we choose to follow God or do we choose to follow what's right in our own eyes? Then we have to look at what do we learn scientifically? Well, certainly over the 49 years of Roe v. Wade, we have learned that a child is a child from the moment of conception. The heartbeat starts at 18 days. Well, most women don't even know they're pregnant by the time the heartbeat starts beating. So science has proven that this unborn child is every much a person as you and I are. Then let's think about what we learn spiritually. We've already talked about a lot of different things spiritually, but this is the most important thing, I believe, because people have been praying for 49 years. They've been praying that this would be overturned, that our country would see the evil of killing our children. Now, we haven't gotten to the point where the country has seen this because we've seen a lot of rioting. A lot of even murders and graffiti and threats against pro lifers and pro life establishments. So the country hasn't turned yet. But the country didn't turn quickly in 49 years ago either. Even though they approved abortion, that didn't mean the country agreed with it. So this is the time for us to pray even harder that the hearts of the people who are so angry about what has happened, that they be turned to God, that they see the importance of life and how precious children are and God's purpose for them. Well, that
0: also makes me think of another scripture. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, "...if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Many of us are hoping that this is a beginning of that kind of a turning where we turn away from the evil and turn toward God as a nation. And so we're continuing to pray because there's a lot of political fights ahead because, as you said, it's going to go to each of the states. And that's good. That's the way the Constitution is made up. I heard a woman politician very angrily say that, how dare those Supreme Court justices do this? They don't have the right. Nobody elected them. And I had to laugh. I thought, well, that's exactly right. They're turning it back to the states where the people who were elected by the people will be able to make those decisions. Back when Roe v. Wade was first decided, the country was not that pro-abortion. It really wasn't. And that's why they used the courts to get their way. And I think legislatively, if you look at the way the country was at that point in time, it was not pro-abortion. And I think with a lot of the advances, you mentioned science and the scientific advances to know when that baby's heart is beating and what's going on with that child, when it can feel pain. I think the Mississippi case had to do with the 15 weeks because that was when they felt that fetuses could definitely feel pain. So they were using that as a guideline. I think that because of ultrasounds and 40 ultrasounds where you can see actually the baby moving and see its features and so forth, that's convinced a lot of people. And so I don't think people are as pro-choice or necessarily as pro-abortion as the
1: left might think. That's right. Statistically, we're pretty much 50-50 in this country. Those people who believe in abortion, that it should be the right of the woman, and those people who believe that the sanctity of life, that the child should be allowed to live. But that wasn't that way 49 years ago. So perhaps this will be the turning point to turn us back to God. You see, 60 years ago, we took prayer out of our schools and we took the Bible out of our schools. So that was the beginning of this downfall. Maybe this will be the beginning of other cases before the Supreme Court that will... Lift up the Bible and lift up godly principles, lift up biblical actions and activities rather than what we've seen, which is them denigrating those of us who stand on the Bible and on truth. As Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas said, this is just the beginning. They need to relook at a couple of other issues, including same-sex marriage and transgenderism and things. So we could be seeing a lot of other decisions by the courts. That's why prayer is so important. Godly people have been intimidated and fearful because of ungodly actions and because of criticisms and because of threatens of lawsuits or firings of different things. Like we talked about Joe Kennedy. People have been afraid, so they've just backed off. Well, now we can stand up because now we have some victories that say it's good and it's okay to be a Christian and stand for godly principles. So many people have been doing that. That's why we have the lawsuits that we have that have made their way to the Supreme Court because instead of just turning the other cheek, which the Bible talks about we are to do But there's times we must stand up for what's right biblically so that we're not destroyed as a country or as people. There's always a remnant of God's people seeking God and his justice for our country and this world. So let's be part of that remnant and walk with God and watch him move because he's listening and he's seeing and he certainly has been moving. Then we have to consider what's changed biblically. Well, as I mentioned earlier, according to 1 Samuel 2, 6, the Lord puts to death and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and brings up. That means that God is the giver of life. It's time to turn around and start respecting life more. Consider all the death that we see, the murders, the school shootings, the suicides, the evil that Satan is perpetrating on this world, because some have no respect for human life. It's time to turn that around. It has started already, so let's keep it going. And of course, we know that God formed us in our mother's wombs. According to Psalm one thirty nine thirteen. he formed our inward parts. Everything about a baby is made from God. How can you not say when your baby is born and you look at it that this little miracle, perfectly made, isn't from God? You can't. I mean, it's impossible. Who could ever have thought to take a man's sperm and a woman's egg and implant a human being in a woman's body and have it come out perfectly nine months later? Only God could do that, and he did. I'm reminded in Psalm 139 on 16. That's a great chapter, by the way, in the Bible to read about how important we are to God. It says, "'Your eyes, God, have seen my unformed substance.'" And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. So God had planned out from the moment of conception what our lives would be like. Biblically, our country is now upholding that principle as a country. States may not, but as a country, we are.
0: That's so hopeful that we can continue in that direction and that we're encouraged as a body because we've been persistent in prayer. And there are some scriptures that are
1: really good illustrations of being persistent in prayer. That is the key. You would think after 49 years that some people would get tired. I know that many people have prayed for their husbands for decades that they would come to know the Lord or for their children. Sometimes we just think, is it worth it? Nothing's happening. It's worth it. Being persistent in our prayer changes our hearts first and foremost, but also goes before the throne of God and lays our petitions down for him. And he tells us to do that. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That's what God wants us to do. A great example of persistence, as you mentioned, is Luke 18, 1 through 8. And I want to read this because I think it's so important for us to see what God says. Now, Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, and he didn't respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord went on to say, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. So Jesus is giving an example, a human example, a parable about persistence in prayer. Because if we continue to pray to our father who loves us, he's our Abba father. He cares about us. When we pray, will he give us a snake? No, he'll give us food when we pray. Will he do bad things? No, he will change our lives and our hearts, and he will eventually do what's best. And we don't know what's going on behind
0: the scenes, how God is arranging things, what kind of work needs to be done in the time that we feel like, oh, gee, we want this to happen right now. And we just have to trust him and know that when the time is right, It may seem like a long time, and then suddenly it happens. I think that's how we felt on June 24th was it had taken
1: such a long time, and then suddenly here it was. So that was really exciting. I'm reminded of a secular quote that we're familiar with from Winston Churchill. When he addressed Harrow School in 1941, he said, Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing Great or small, large or petty, never give in except to conviction of honor and good sense. And of course, I would add, except to godly things in the Bible. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Boy. That's persistence when you never, never, never give in. But God doesn't want us to. He wants us to stand on truth always, even if the world around us is not doing that. And he wants us to petition him. Think of Abraham. I love the story where three angels appeared to Abraham, and as they were leaving, they looked down on Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were going to destroy it. So Abraham said, Oh, well, what if there's 50 righteous in the city? Would you save it then? And they said, yes. Then he said, what if there's 45 righteous and then 40 righteous and then 30 righteous and then 20 righteous? And finally he said, if there are 10 righteous down there, will you save the city? So he was being persistent and he kept changing his request by asking that that city be saved for 10 because he knew Lot and his family were there and he hoped that they'd had an influence on other people so that then people would know the Lord and save the city. Well, it wasn't saved because that wasn't the case. But the point being is that Abraham was persistent and also was very bold in his prayer that's what we need to be before the Lord is persistent and bold in everything. We sometimes think, well, the world has gone to hell in the handbasket, so there's nothing else we can do. Yes, we can. We can pray. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. You see, we have to stop growing weary. We have to be persistent. We have to keep it up. We have to keep praying. After all, First Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. That means all the time. Billy Graham used to pray all the time, all day, every day he prayed. Look what happened to him and how God used him. And God can do mighty things if we pray. There's another example
0: of persistent prayer and how it pays off. And we're going to Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. And it starts out where Jesus is being asked by his disciples how to pray, and then it moves into the persistence. So it starts out, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he goes on from there
1: to explain why it's so important to be persistent. And he gave the Our Father prayer. He showed them how to pray firstly. And then in verse 5, he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now to understand that, they had small homes. And so they piled the people in different parts of the house And up against the door so he'd wake up the whole family if he was going to be moving around and getting food for someone it goes on to say i tell you even though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend yet because of his persistence he will get up and give him as much as he needs so i say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds And to him he knocks, it will be open. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a steak instead of a fish, will he? Or if he has asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that we can ever have because that's the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ and he's the one who leads us and guides us. And he's saying here, if we're persistent, if we ask God, he's even going to give us the Holy Spirit and he'll give us everything else if we ask him, if we're persistent in seeking him and asking him. We should have a prayer list of things that we pray that are important to us and important to our country. Some people will say, oh, I just wish things would get back to normal. They're only going to get back to normal if we pray because our country has moved in a new direction and only God can bring us back to himself. You had talked about Chronicles earlier. First Chronicles sixteen eleven says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. So it's the Lord who's going to make changes. It's the Lord who's going to change our hearts, change our country. And by the way, we need to vote pro-life that is so important but we cannot depend on our politicians we have to trust in God because until people's hearts are changed the political landscape will consistently change one way or another so God wants their hearts to change and that's what we should be praying for in Ephesians 6 18 we're told that with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Those are just a few verses that remind us. But we've seen in action this past month what God does with persistent prayers, what God does when honorable people stand up and fight in a positive, God-honoring, legal way to change the culture of our country when it's going against God. It's going to be More important now than ever that we stand up and speak out as states are making the decisions. Will you stand on the Bible, on the truth with God and stand up for truth for unborn babies as well as all the other biblical things that we will see come about in the courts and in our lives?